Welcome to Art Conversations, and I am your host, Lisa Jane Irvine. As a practicing visual artist, I've had the opportunity to meet many interesting individuals along the way. Every path I've ventured down has provided me with a greater knowledge in the arts, as well as a vast array of experiences that have helped to shape my practice both in and out of the studio. I encourage you to grab a cup of tea or even a coffee and settle in as we begin my conversations with my guests who are working, practicing, exploring, even playing in the arts. Victoria Pierce lives and paints in Hamilton's James North Art District and cottages on the edge of Algonquin Park and enjoys hiking and paddling the natural spaces of Ontario's north, be it Muskoka, Algonquin, Halliburton, Kawartha, Madawaska, or the length of the Bruce Trail. The contrast of sky to rocky cliffs, grand pines, and idyllic islands make for great inspiration. Her labyrinth style finds much inspiration in the exposed rock of the Canadian shield, the grand white pines, and wide open skies. Over the last 20 years, Victoria has painted oversized ant-skew florals combined with abstractions and surreal nests floating in the sky. She is currently focused on the Ontario landscape in all its vast diversity. As an artist and avid hiker, Observing and recording as she hikes and paddles along is an important part of her process. Victoria is an enthusiastic Bruce Trail Conservancy member and cottager on the edge of Algonquin Park. The province boasts so many waterfalls and grand pines, silhouetted islands, and craggy cliffs that there will never be a time to experience them all, but she tries. Within them, she finds the shapes, lines, colors, patterns, and forms she so loves. To play with the interplay of one color pushing against another or shapes as part of the overall interconnecting composition is a challenge and a joy. To see the constant movement of all things natural is sometimes easy, as in a waterfall, but more challenging in a wall of granite. She says it's the geography geek in her that gets excited by a ridge of dollastone or granite or the rush of a water cascade, all products of the time glaciers covered the land. Expressing that friction and interconnectedness is what she strives to do. Please help me welcome Victoria Pierce to the podcast. Good afternoon, Victoria. How are you today? Good afternoon. I'm good. I'm good, Lisa. <laughs> I love the floral behind you, actually. You've got a oh, nice... Thank you. That's one of mine, actually, there, over my shoulder. I'm really like excited to talk to you because I know you are an avid hiker, and I know that influences your artwork. So I can't wait to get started. So maybe we could give you a little bit of background of how you got into painting and what first influenced you. Well, that goes way back. I was fortunate enough to have Robert Bateman as a teacher in high school. So he was a big influence in many ways, more than my university days. I mean, there were certain things, obviously, from I went to York University for Fine Arts. But Bateman outfitted everyone with slide, the little slides used to do, and had you carrying around, looking at the world around you through that. And he was obviously a naturalist as well. So, And our family was spent a lot of time outside, a certain amount of hiking and in high school, not as much, but there was those early influences from my artwork and certainly from nature. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big part of it was Robert Bateman. My other two sisters as well. One of my sister's husband traveled with Bateman in Africa as well. That was the thing. It wasn't teaching you how to be a naturalist. He taught you how to see. 
and do your own kind of thing. So it's wonderful. That sounds went, incredible. <laughs> yeah, very fortunate, very fortunate. And then Doug Morton at York University, his color sense. I think a lot of my color training came from him. You see, mm-hmm. he really talked about working with tertiary colors and matching tonal levels, no matter mm-hmm. what the color was, from pink to green to blue, that if you took a black and white photograph, everything would then be neutral. So it's a mm-hmm. very different way of looking at color. Not that I do that now, but it was delving into color in, in new ways. So it was really interesting. Now, that's interesting. I haven't heard anyone talk about color in that way myself. So Did he show you like color exercises? Well, I sort of remember doing some exercises in it and then doing some paintings. There were stained canvases with big floating gourds Mm -hmm. on flows of color behind, but the colors were all, again, matching the tonal level. I did a certain amount of that at that time with some pieces I quite enjoyed and still have. And then it was many years before I got back into, after university, did a number of different things. But when I got to painting again, I actually got back to skies, mm-hmm. painting skulls. The skies are like are abstracts. So they're like abstracts that we identify with. Mm-hmm. So as long as you use all the realist light and general idea of shapes, you can put those shapes anywhere you want and diagonals, shapes and lines, color, all kind of directing the eye around a composition in an abstract way. But it is reality as well. So my earlier uh, Floral pieces always had skies. In fact, I started painting skies first and then added the flowers on top of them. Mm. So it was something where the flower was very much in the foreground, oversized. Mm -hmm. It was a surreal feeling because the sky was distant behind psychologically. Mm -hmm. So there was creating that separation between them. And then eventually, just in the last eight years, I've gone in to do this landscape series. So... I still love doing clouds, shapes within them too. Well, your landscape series are incredible. Yeah, let's delve right into that because you have this incredible use of line. Can you describe your work so anybody who hasn't seen it gets a sense? I call them my labyrinth landscapes. It was a total accident. And I think that's why that whole thing, the artist should play Mm -hmm. and not worry about what the end process is going to be because that's where your happiest accents and the most exciting things happen. I've been teaching um, up north at a camp, landscape painting. And at that point, I was doing some textual landscapes, but I was still really doing my nest series and the florals. And I was doing a demonstration there at Gallery Burlington of what I've been doing in the summer with lines, dashes of color on a colored ground. And I'm really not sure why I dragged that line out into a longer line and then doubled back and kind of went, whoa, this could be a, a labyrinth. And I started playing around with the line, creating color gradations within, and it was clouds, actually, mm-hmm. the first one, the color gradation with the lines, but those lines were in labyrinth. And it wasn't until years later that uh, the curator at Art Gallery of Burlington, Art Etc. Shop, said, oh, I can see where your lines come from. I did some labyrinths in some of my nest pieces. Mm-hmm. And I'd also done lines in abstraction sections of my florals, where you'd have a realistic short floral with an abstraction, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of lines in it. And I hadn't even made the connection. <laughs> like, I was going to say to you, did you see that connection? You just... well. It's funny, I hadn't really, because I wasn't looking to make, do an obvious jump, but I think everything gets poured in here and gets stirred up. And if you 
allow yourself to play at times, stuff comes up that you did not, you could not have predicted that or forced it out. It just came. And then the idea of the labyrinth made so much sense to me from an environmental point of view, mm-hmm. because everything in nature is connected. Mm-hmm. And also all moving, whether it's clouds or water, or waterfalls or plants in the wind, but even rock is moving. It just moves a lot slower, which you're very aware of when you spend a lot of time on the Bruce Trail with these beautiful rock cliffs, but they do give way and there's erosion and there's landslides and Mm -hmm. it's moving a lot slower, but it is part of that interconnectedness of nature. So there was a a symbolic nature to the labyrinth Mm -hmm. that as well. Yeah, you mentioned the Bruce Trails. I know that's a very important place to you. Can you talk about your involvement with the Bruce Trail and how that informs your work? Yeah, I guess I've hiked the Bruce Trails back when I was a little bit when I was in teaching, teenager. But I was a brownie leader when my kids were young, and I used to take the kids on hikes. I love doing that in the Grindstone area, Grindstone Creek down in Burlington, or um, Rattlesnake, places like that, Mount mm-hmm. Nemo. When I moved to Hamilton permanently, I've had my studio here in Hamilton for 15 years or so. And I started doing the labyrinth landscapes, and I'd done waterfalls up in Algonquin because I hiked there. But when I moved to Hamilton, being the city of waterfalls, a neighbor got me hiking the Bruce Trail and finding, he said, well, I'll help you find waterfalls. So we were off every, I'd have waterfall Wednesdays hiking. (laughs) And that was dedicated time, didn't matter what else I was doing. If I was in the country, I'd do my waterfall Wednesdays. So we visited a lot of the waterfalls around the area. And then I've kind of extended that to the rock faces and everything else that comes along with it. And of course, at the cottage too, I paddle. So I, I love vistas of particularly of islands mm-hmm. and trees. So those something again about the island, I think is much like my nest series, that idea of solitary kind of containment, psychological, we all want to have our privacy, I'll be able to have our kind of security and privacy and control. So there's something about an island that connects with me. So it's kind of mm-hmm. one of the reasons I, I often paint islands. They're big rocks and cliffs and all sorts of different things. Yeah, I love that you called it Waterfall Wednesdays. <laughs> I must have made the week a little bit more fun in midway. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Now it's kind of all over the place, depending on which day I can fit it in. But that was, it was just kind of fun to call it that. Mm-hmm. And then along with two other artists, we did a fundraiser for Bruce Trail two years ago. The first, not this last fall, but 2020, we did a trail painting art show that mm-hmm. went really well. And I'm looking forward to doing that again. When I can find a new venue, it'd be nice to do something in a bigger venue with more artists. It was to Anne Moore and Janet Jardine. But yeah, I'd like to do that again. I'm curious about your process. Do you work from a photograph? Do you carry a camera? Do you sketch? Do you do all of the above? All of the above. I photograph a lot, just with my phone. It's, I find it's the easiest because I'm climbing up and down waterfalls and I have big rain boots that I can wander into a waterfall and aim at all sorts of wonderful directions or from my canoe or from the land sometimes, wherever. So I photograph and then I have hundreds of possibility photographs that I put in <laughs> files because you just have so many anyway so from those i'll go take a piece and i'll print it out Mm -hmm. to a certain extent created the composition when i'm photographing it but then i often do longer thinner compositions like this one's a 30 by 60 Mm -hmm. or i'll do 24 by 48 or 40 by 60 
So you kind of need to crop and reposition. So I do a drawing of the composition. To me, composition is absolutely, it's probably in many ways the most important step. Because if you don't do it, you end up wasting time later. And this technique takes so long to do. There's no big brushes. There's no scumbling. There's no big areas that you can quickly put in. It's all the same amount of effort, every line. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to waste time at the beginning. By taking the time at the beginning, creating a good composition, mm-hmm. a lot of attention to shapes and lines and arrange the trees and the branches with angles that will feed in around and move, figure out where the lights are going to be. And the darkest, they're, again, they carry you around the piece. And I, you know, I'm not a slave to it, but those basic things are there so mm-hmm. that I not get lost. Once I get going, mm-hmm. I know those brights and lights. Like with this piece, you can see somewhat. The brights will go right across the piece and through the back. So there's a diagonal through the piece and it'll be light up at the top. Mm-hmm. So paying attention to that follow through. Obviously, you do it with color as well, but it's one of those things, figuring out the composition first. Would you recommend for like young artists who are starting out that they spend time developing and learning about composition? I know a lot of people just go to the oh, canvas. You know, even with abstracts, you need to know the bones of composition. And there's so many things, pattern and repetition and shapes and color and line and form. And there's some really interesting things you can play with. Mm-hmm. But if you don't learn those first, so you've got that in your toolbox. Like this, my color thing, you can kind of see there's a palette I'm working on right now. And they're all tertiary colors. So that's mm-hmm. the palette of this piece. I Actually, this is my drawing for this piece. You probably won't be able to see it very well. But mm-hmm. there's, I did a pencil drawing, and then I've done a color composition. I'm not a slave to it, but I've got an idea where I want to head. Mm-hmm. And it, it can shift, but at least I have an idea. And yeah. then I can mix up a, a broad range of colors, and I know that they'll work together. And, and every painting I do is the color palette is quite different. You're mapping it out. Yes. The color is huge. I mean, I've got pieces here that are red as the base and everything blues and roses on them, greens and yellows on top of black. The grotto that is, um, the rocks are all mauve tones, mauve grays. Yeah. Oh, that sounds nice. Green. And then the water's aqua. So again, that's that cohesive tertiary color composition. But sometimes they're much more colorful, warm sunset colors over an island. You're setting up for lightning strike in behind it. You have to thought through what's going to make that work. How is it going to set up one thing going to set up against another? Have you ever done plein air painting or do you prefer just to be in the studio? I do occasionally do plein air, but it just doesn't work for this. So I enjoy my hikes and my photographing mm-hmm. when I'm out there, but it's not really practical for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I can play around once in a while and take my sketchbook with me, but I'm more likely to be moving, hiking or paddling mm-hmm. than actually sitting in one place. It just doesn't work that way for me. Do you get asked a lot if the labyrinth idea is sort of meditative for you or did people ask you about that process? Because it's so unusual, a very original idea because it wasn't something I followed from something else that literally came unbidden. It's fascinating what people will try to get a handle, how to um, put it in a box to understand it. Mm-hmm. Look at things and we want to know, is it pointillism? Is it realism? What is it? Well, this 
doesn't have a label. So people will say, oh, it looks like tarling or mm-hmm. it looks like spaghetti or it looks like silly string or it looks like Arabic writing or native work or I've had people compare it to South American embroidery. Oh, and wow. people, I've had a few people, and this is beyond me, that saw mathematical principles in them. Really? I'm totally confused by. I mean, they this phone showed me on his phone. See? And I couldn't see what he was saying. But that's how his brain works to yeah. document or to categorize what he was saying. So it's really interesting to watch how people relate to it. And because when you are very close to them, you mm-hmm. see all the labyrinth. When you're standing back, all the other elements go together and it gives you that the depth or whatever it is that the landscape is offering. I got to see your piece at the um, All Guild show at the Art Gallery of Burlington. Knowing that we were going to be talking, I stood studying it for a little while. And yeah, you're right. Like when you're up close, you see all the detail in the lines. And then when you step back, it just starts to optically almost take over and mix. So you see the landscape. So they're beautiful the way you've done that. That's a fun one. I had done a bigger one of the same waterfall where I was literally on top of it because there's a bridge mm-hmm. or a rock ledge over it and I was able to be on top of it photographing it. So you're looking down into it. Mm-hmm. So the composition, and it's very much about the tonal values, everything at the bottom of the painting is quite dark, mm-hmm. the rock things. And then as you go over the waterfall and then things go down the canyon, it gets lighter and lighter and lighter. So you're exaggerating that sense of depth. Mm-hmm. which is quite fun with that one. What is it about the waterfall? Have you figured out what draws you to that? Is it the movement of the water? Is it the form? Well, all of the above. I love standing in a waterfall. It's so exciting. It's so beautiful from so many different angles. The light bouncing off at the rock. I love rock formations. It's like you're seeing the bones of the land and how geography is created, our environment around you. I get excited when I see a Drummond on a, a hill when I'm driving up north, recognize that shape. And of course, the Bruce Peninsula, it's this spectacular big dollar stone over top of limestone. You get to know the different rocks and, and how they've eroded over the years. I find that really interesting. So it's funny, before I went to university, it was between fine arts and geography. Mm-hmm. And I went for fine arts. But here I am so many years later, delving into geography. So I'm satisfying that side of me. I was going to say, you've got the best of both worlds that way. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And a good excuse to keep hiking, right? That's true. (laughs) I love hiking, as we talked earlier. So, and you've recommended a few trails, but where are some of your favorite places to go while you're hiking and absorbing nature and taking that back to your studio? Well, here, because I live in Hamilton, Mm -hmm. there's a few places, in particular, the waterfalls, Little Davis Falls, the rock formations are really wonderful is kind of where I aim at. Mm-hmm. We're different ones all the time. We're so fortunate in Hamilton. We've got the Bruce Trail runs through the city. And mm-hmm. so I don't have to go very far to get to one of them. But I've also a couple of years ago did a trip up to the Owen Sound area and then up to Tobermory, mm-hmm. Lion's Head, and the grotto. I've just finished painting the grotto. The flower pot island up and at the mm-hmm. top of Tobermory and Lions, what's it called? Uh, log dump. Cove, and they're just really beautiful. And around Owen Sound, there's another big collection of waterfalls, much mm-hmm. like Hamilton. So there's Inglis and Indian, 
Walters Falls. There's just about five of them around that area. There's mm-hmm. more than five. So you can go to Owen Sound, stay somewhere, one of the wonderful bed and breakfasts, and spend a few days hiking and checking out the waterfall. So that, that just, sounds great. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was just wonderful. And it's a lovely community up there. I didn't so even know that they had that many waterfalls up there. So maybe I'll add that to my list now. <laughs> well, check out uh, the Bruce Trail. You're on the Bruce Trail. because, so of course, that's the escarpment, right? Runs mm-hmm. from Niagara Falls all the way up to Tobermory. Okay. So you have a spectacular landscape running off it. And I'm not sure why, whatever, the waterfalls run in that area. But also, there's a wonderful book called Waterfalls of Ontario. Mm-hmm. Mark, I'm just going to forget his last name right now. He's wonderful. He's on Instagram as well. There's a wonderful Instagram site, Waterfalls of Ontario. So you can see when people hike waterfalls all over Ontario and, of course, farther abroad as well. If you get the book and check out the website, you can find waterfalls in an area that you happen to be going to or aim at. And then you can go to see a number of different ones. Then you can get get research, right? (laughs) Cottage country is full of them, but there's concentrations. I am hoping to get up to more the far north past Thunder Bay Mm -hmm. Um, this summer, hopefully, or fall, because there's a lot of waterfalls, a whole section of massive waterfalls up there. That'd be really nice to get up to. That sounds wonderful. And the fall would be beautiful as well with the colors. It would. Yeah. So you have a couple of shows coming up, which is very exciting. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I'm excited to be back in Ottawa. This was it June 12th and 13th, whatever the Saturday and Sunday are of that weekend at the Ottawa Art Festival. I've done that for something like eight, nine, ten years. I'm not sure exactly. And it's just a beautiful old area of Ottawa, the Glebe area in Ottawa Mm -hmm. is the downtown original core. It's where my parents grew up. So I kind of feel like I'm going home. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful park. It's very well juried. It just has... Excellent work. And that's an important thing as an artist. Go to a show first, check it out before you enter it so that you know you're with good quality. So it's just a spring show. It used to be in Maine. It was always raining on us. So they've moved it to June, which is excellent. So that's the first time, of course, in three years, right? And then uh, June 23rd, my show in Hamilton at Earl's Court Gallery on Ottawa Street Mm -hmm. will be as well. So I'm busy making work for both of those shows. I can barely get my waterfall Wednesdays in. I was going to say, I keep you quite busy. It's not far away now, so. Yeah, and still getting work up to my other galleries in Waterloo, Paula White Diamond and Cloud Gallery in Aurelia is a new gallery. They were doing very well. Art Etc. in Burlington. Oh, that's great. Well, it's nice. I know it's nice to see art in galleries again and to get out again. So I'm sure... You're looking forward to that process. Oh, it is. It's so nice to go to a gallery and have people in it. Exactly. You know, even if we still wear a mask, you know, hopefully, yeah, we'll just be good and, and we'll get past all this. So oh, yeah. we will. We will for sure. <laughs> As we wrap up, I always like to ask my artists five rapid questions. I'm not sure if you're up for that or not. They're yeah. quick and quirky. <laughs> So I always start with like, what's the best advice that you got as an artist? It's funny in, in many ways. I think it's back to Bateman, that slide that I, we carried around looking at the world around you. Because you, once you frame things, you see them in a very different way, which you do with a camera. Mm-hmm. When you're pointing a camera at things, you look more closely. Composition, composition, composition. No matter what I've done, whether it's the big florals, I mean, Nothing I do is done much in the way of abstract. I've done some work, but 
it all takes, it's fairly time consuming. So doing the compositions so that you don't have to back up because it just didn't work. Composition, composition. If you were to go to a dinner party and you had one artist you could sit beside, past or present, who would you like to be seated next to and why? Geez, so many possibilities. Well, I know. Casson <laughs> would be one of them. I just, again, his composition and his shapes are spectacular. Mm-hmm. A big influence. A contemporary would be Clarence Porter. He's just mm-hmm. an amazing artist, an amazing person to spend time with. So I really enjoy his company. Recently got to interview Clarence. He's amazing. <laughs> and he has a very keen, keen eye. John Lennar was a yep. teacher, a brilliant mind. He just, again, can zoom in on composition elements and just a little, he'll tear off a piece of paper and hold it up to the painting. And you can see how that little bit of light over there balances the piece. It's just, so those are people I've learned a lot from. Do you have a favorite piece that you would want, like one piece that could be your legacy a hundred years from now? What would that be? Oh my. That's a hard one. (laughs) It's probably a waterfall. (laughs) (laughs) I really like doing the big waterfalls. Mm -hmm. One of uh, Rockway Falls, which is in Grimsby, Grimsby sort of Jordan area. It's one of my favorites. And the pieces I paint on red are always, in many ways, my favorites because mm-hmm. they're more of a challenge. They're much more difficult. When you put green on red, it kind of exaggerates one or the other. They're more interesting to do. That makes sense. Yeah. little challenge. <laughs> I'm going to ask you this question, which I don't ask every artist. One hiking trail you think everybody should go on? Because I think you're the person to ask this. <laughs> Boy, that's a tough one. I was just a few weeks ago and I'm trying to remember that. There's a trail that's in a vineyard in the Jordan area, and it's below the Bruce Trail. You entered from below the Bruce Trail, so in the lower area, but it's like a big chunk of the Bruce Trail that let go. Mm-hmm. And there are these blocks of dollar stone that are a story and two high. They're mm-hmm. massive. They're like giant boulders that toss, fallen down, and they're covered in beautiful lichens and green, mossy. It's absolutely beautiful. So that was one of my most recent hikes. And I'm forgetting the name of the vineyard that it's around. If you ask me later, I can, <laughs> I can look it up. It's on my Instagram. Okay. I post a lot of my walks, not all of them, but I'll definitely make sure to link to the, your Instagram so everybody can check it out. That's one of them. Little Davis Falls is one of my favorites. It's fairly close to me, and I, mm-hmm. I, think, I think four times. It's the lower falls from Felker's Falls. So Felker's mm-hmm. Falls comes off the top of the escarpment where the Bruce Trail runs at the top, but it goes down to this beautiful valley to Little Davis Falls, which is at the bottom, and it's horizontal, mm-hmm. unlike what falls, the vertical. So it's a really interesting composition. That's another favorite hike. Algonquin, the bottom tip of Algonquin, I go up into uh, High Falls there. Done that for years. There you go. That's three hikes we have to do. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time, Victoria. This has been wonderful. And I mean, your work is incredible. I love like your labyrinths. They just so captivating. So good luck with your shows. And I hope I get to at least come to the Earl's Court Gallery when you're exhibiting. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Art Conversations with Lisa Jane Irvine. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and hit the like button. And don't forget to check out my website, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. Thank you for listening. See you next time.